This is your favorite new podcast. Are we still considered new? We're still relatively new. We're relatively new. This is Midwestern Nerds. I am Chad Coffin. And I'm Brian Stoffel. And you are here for another week of the nerdiest podcast you've ever laid your nerdy eyes on. Eyes on? Ears on. Ears on. Welcome back, folks. We are streaming, as always, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Radio Public, Anchor, Pocket Cast, and Google Podcasts. Remember, we are the Midwestern Nerds. That's M-I-D-W-E-S-T-E-R-N-E-R-D-S. You can find us Midwestern Nerds at Gmail. You can find us at Midwestern Nerds on Twitter and Instagram. The Midwestern Nerds Podcast on Facebook and, of course, MidwesternNerds.com. Please take the time to rate and review us. We appreciate it. It does a lot of good for the podcast now to start the excitement we head over to brian with this week's news flash news flash news news flash news flash all right so our first news flash story of the week is nintendo last week had a surprise nintendo direct that came out where they talked about the brand new kind of brand new Mario games coming out for Mario's 35th anniversary. The first one they announced is Super Mario 3D All-Stars, which is going to consist of the three classic games, Super Mario 64, Super Mario Sunshine, and Super Mario Galaxy. These are going to be available for the first time on the Nintendo Switch starting on September 18th with a hefty price of $60. A lot of people are kind of upset about that for me i figure it's you're paying twenty dollars a game 60 bucks right there the important thing to know about this though too is that it is a limited release so if you want this game go and pre-order it now both physical and digital are going to be limited so if you want these get them now i went out and ordered mine right away at first i was looking like you said at that price tag of 60 bucks but then i thought if nintendo decided to go with releasing super mario 64 and they're like it's gonna be 60 bucks I'd probably eventually cave and buy it. And the fact that I can get Super Mario Galaxy and Sunshine alongside it, it's totally worth it. Along with this, they also announced a new and inventive way to play Mario Kart. And that is Mario Kart Live, where you use your Switch as basically the controller. I mean, you can still see the kart going through the track but the cool thing about it is you also have a remote control car or cart mario kart with the camera on it and you're both playing the game on the switch and live in person yeah so the cart has like a gopro style camera on it that's connected to your switch so while you're driving it around the house i don't know if it's 
you drive a predetermined course and then it turns it into a Super Mario track. But when you're watching it on, like, obviously there's nothing happening in your house when you're watching it drive around. But when you see it on the screen, you're seeing your house, you're seeing the car drive around whatever character you choose. And the game is implementing jumps and mystery boxes and things like that into the game on the Switch. I saw this and I thought this was very inventive, very cool. Nintendo is always trying to one-up in that inventive category to kind of stand out from the big PlayStation and Xbox. But this this I'm, I'm kind of excited for. I don't really know who I'd play it with, but I am kind of curious to play it. Robert Pattinson and The Rock both announced last week that they have COVID. The Rock went on Instagram and announced that him and his family got exposed to people with COVID, but they're doing fine now. They're at the tail end of it. Robert Pattinson didn't come out and say it, but it was announced that somebody on the crew of the Batman tested positive like immediately days after they resumed filming for this movie. And some close sources, in quotations, have determined that it is Robert Pattinson. And if it is, all I got to say is like, come on, guy. Like, first, you don't want to work out while you're in quarantine to kind of stay in shape for the Batman role. And now you're going to be like the first part of the crew to get COVID. Come on, man. Like, get get your stuff together. That's all I got to say. Napoleon Dynamite 2 has been talked about for quite a while to be happening and was recently mentioned again during a quarantine Zoom reunion with the cast. John Hader, who played Napoleon Dynamite, and writer-director Jared Hess were always playing with the idea of a sequel, and this sequel, they said, would explore a raw and edgy future. I don't know about you, but I wasn't asking for this. I don't know who was asking for it, especially Ron Edgy is like the exact opposite of the first movie. My first question is, like you said, who is asking for this? My second question would be, if we found out who, why? Why do they want this? I never was big into this movie. I mostly watched the first one just to kind of get the references since it was so overquoted and like referenced at school on the playground and that's the thing like this came out when we were in like seventh or eighth grade so like it was that punch drunk stupid like slapstick comedy that we should have really loved it was not a good movie no all the comedy in it kind of fell flat for me and i didn't comedy yeah comedy i didn't really enjoy it i'll wrap up this short story by just saying 2005 called they want their movie back (laughs) speaking of movies that came out a long time ago that i didn't really find funny that are trying to make a comeback sasha baron conan has announced this week that borat 2 is not only being talked about coming but it's been filmed entirely and is now being shopped to the studios and distributors the plot shows the character trying to hide from his newfound celebrity status and is described as cohen playing borat playing cohen again who's asking for this movie then why are they asking for it (laughs) I also thought that it was kind of funny, too, that they're like, this is him hiding from his newfound celebrity status. This was another movie that came out in, like, what, 2006, 2007? It was almost 15 years ago. Nobody is even talking about Borat anymore. Nobody needs Borat. 
I think it, his character, just with the times that we're in and how the world is today, I don't think that comedy is really going to fly anymore in our world today either. No, they talk about rape. They talk about people being retarded. They, I mean, there's just a mess of PC culture that would not allow this movie to happen again. And the main thing is, like, he's an immigrant, like, and it's all the immigrant jokes, and especially with, like I said, the world is today, it's, I don't think this is a character that the world wants right now, or needs. Nope. Arnold Schwarzenegger, the dearly beloved action-slash-comedy star Arnold Schwarzenegger, previous governor of California, has announced that they are coming out with a new TV show. It's going to be his first venture into the TV storytelling side of things. This is a show that's being developed by Skydance and is going to be shot shortly to streamers. It's about a global spy adventure with a father, Schwarzenegger, and daughter at the center of the story. All I gotta say is the daughter better be our age or a little bit older because Arnold is kind of past the dad point and is more like grandpa and granddaughter. Other than that, I'm excited for it. I continue to see Arnold as just this indestructible force as he is in like all of his movies. He apparently is in real life because even while he's the governor of a state, he can just be married and bang his ugly maid and then people are like can you come to a tv show of this <laughs> he's impervious he's impenetrable he is the arnold it's that persona that character of a human being that he's created for himself that a lot of people myself included we forget about those dark gritty real life pasts and focus more on the work that he's done like we've said before about creator versus the creation yes exactly and our last new splash story of the week the most anticipated movie of the year for a lot of people dune directed by denis villeneuve who made movies prisoners enemy sicario arrival and blade runner 2049 they dropped a new trailer for this movie I don't really know what's going on in this movie, but I'm pretty excited for it. It focuses a lot on the main character that's played by Timothy Chalamet, and it's focusing on him getting new powers and getting comfortable with that and learning to not only control and make himself more powerful, but also to become a strong and powerful leader for these people on this desert sand planet thing with giant slug worms that eat people. The other big thing besides the director about this movie is the stacked cast. And when I say stacked, I mean stacked. Like I mentioned, Timothy Chalamet is the main character, but he's also uh, being supported by Rebecca Ferguson, Oscar Isaac, Josh Brolin, Stellan Skarsgård, Dave Bautista, Stefan McKinley Henderson, Zendaya, Chang Chen, Sharon Duncan Brewster, Charlotte Rappling, Jason Momoa, and Javier Bardem. Any other movie in the world would have like would be lucky enough to get two of these people. And the fact that they got all of these people in this movie, it's gonna be fantastic. And I am very excited for it. It's supposed to come out in December, but with COVID right now, we'll see if that actually happens. And that is your new splash for the week. <laughs> 
realize your news was heavy and important this week, but you didn't even talk about Pro Skater 1 and 2 that got remastered and re-released. Oh, Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2. Uh, yeah. Like, the heaviest, one of the best, if not the best video games from when we were kids. If it was PS1 or PS2, they took and remastered Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2, made it clean and cut and clear for the Xbox One and the PS4. I do not have it. One of my buddies at work has it, and he said it is like sucking, like poltergeist style, sucks you into the TV, and you just lose all sense of responsibility and dive back to like 13-year-old you playing this video game again. The fact that I didn't know that this came out means I don't have too much to provide, but the two things that I will say are, I did hear that Jack Black is like somehow connected to this. (laughs) Like, I don't know if he's a playable character, or if like Tenacious D music's in the background, but... I know he's been promoting this game a lot, and I think he's in it. And the other thing I want to say is the one thing that I remember from Tony Hawk Pro Skater, it was either one or two, I think it was two, was one of the playable characters that you could be was Spider-Man. And if they didn't find a way to keep that, I'm going to be really disappointed. Yes, and again, then we get into all of our rights and contracts and whatever, but hopefully it's still in there. I got to get my hands on it. It is full-on hashtag nostalgia. It throws us back. And I want to tell you, Brian, one thing that it reminds me of is the new streetwear line that's out called Titchy Apparel. So Titchy's hottest selling garment right now is a collection called Fun and Games. And it's a cross between like Tony Hawk Pro Skater and Sarge's Heroes. You get your little plastic green army men on like basically tech decks on a t-shirt. Can it be better than that? That sounds pretty sweet to me. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Pretty rad, as the cool kids would say. (laughs) It makes you want to put away your dad shoes, dust off a pair of your old Vans or Chucks, back of your closet, and blast some Four Years Strong or some Blink-182. Titchy's lead designer and founder, Rose Tesheva, has been professionally involved in production and design of custom apparel for over seven years. She has swept floors, operated printers, embroidery machines, and been the one behind the computer screens and emails making decisions. This girl has done it all. Titchy Apparel only uses premium brand blanks like Champion and American Apparel, so you won't be disappointed by the quality of their products. Guys, I am sitting here right now in my Titchy t-shirt. This is one of the softest t-shirts I have ever worn. Hugs me in all the right places and lets loose in all the other places. All the graphics that are used are completely original and custom made for the brand. Our brand is Midwestern Nerds. It's totally custom, just like Brian and me. One of a kind originals, just like all the Titchy original artwork made for their graphics. New products almost weekly. So. If you're interested and you're excited about this brand like Brian and I, head over to www.tichyapparel.com. That's www.tichyapparel.com. And use our promo code NERDS. That's NERDS as in Brian and I. N-E-R-D-S for 10% off your entire order. This discount does expire October 30th, so make sure to get over to TitchyApparel.com or find Titchy Apparel, that's T-I-C-H-Y-A-P-P-A-R-E-L on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. This is a custom quality, one-of-a-kind apparel company that is a sponsor of your Midwesterners, so head over and check them out.
now that we got that fun stuff done, we're going to move on to our main news topics for the week. We're going to start off strong and heavy by talking about two prominent actors that are kind of at odds with Hollywood and the Hollywood standards. The first one we'll talk about is Ray Fisher. We've mentioned this story a couple times in the past about Ray Fisher, who plays Cyborg in Justice League movies, both the Joss Whedon cut and the Zack Snyder cut. Things happen on set when they were filming the Joss Whedon version of it, and Ray Fisher was not very happy about it. He's been very vocal about it on social media, so much so that Warner Brothers has launched a third-party investigation on the whole situation to kind of get down to what is actually going on, and things have just kind of been snowballing from there. The investigation is on Joss Whedon and the producers Geoff Johns and John Berg. It's mostly around Whedon's emotionally abusive behavior on set. And also what we learned this week is Geoff Johns's flat out threatening Ray Fisher and his career. Talking about the cyborg actor that they have for Doom Patrol and pretty much telling him that if he doesn't do what they want him to do for this movie, if he doesn't portray the character the way they want him to, they can always replace him with this new actor that they already have in another franchise playing the same character. Before we dive headfirst into this, and the thing we always talk about is, we are, at best, reporting on the news and giving you our opinions. We in no way are telling you this is exactly what's going on and these are the facts. We can give you exactly what we know and what we've been told and our opinions on them, but please do not run to the presses and run to the streets that the Midwesterners say that there's, you know, these problems in the world because we want to ex- shine the light on some of these issues in Hollywood, but we are by far the experts on these situations. Exactly. We're just taking the information as we see it. We're giving you the facts as we read them, and then we're giving you our takes on them. So that's the facts that have been coming out. Both Ray Fisher and WB have turned this whole investigation and their feud very public on social media. The way that it's looking right now with all the stuff that's been released on social media from both Fisher and WB, Fisher is standing his ground on the way that him and the whole cast were treated on this. WB is claiming that he's not cooperating with the third-party investigator that they brought in, and he's going as far as, like, showing the emails and, like, the Zoom confirmation calls that he's having with the investigator to be like, uh, no, I am talking with them. I'm doing what you want me to. I understand, me, Brian Stoffel, understand personally, like, why W feel feels threatened by him, but to be like, we're going to put out an official statement that is going to talk about how this actor is not cooperating with the things that we're trying to do for him. And then to have him be like, uh, no, here's the proof. Here's right direct, here. factual, blatant proof that that's not the fact. Well, it doesn't, it doesn't help WB's case that, as we talked about in recent episodes, there are a lot of people coming out against Joss Whedon about how they were treated on set, how they were treated all the way back to Buffy, then the Avengers, and now in Justice League. Like, we've heard this already, and now somebody's just really taking the stand to be like, enough is enough. Well, not only that, but, like, Geoff Johns is like, 
the name in DC. Like we we talked about him last week when we were talking about the three Joker story that he wrote that's now finally coming out. Anything that's DC related, his name is pretty much on it. So then to be like, no, he's actually a bad guy. Warner Brothers is like, uh, no, he's our big flagship guy. Like we need him. Like I understand why they want to support him, but at the same time, if he is guilty of all these things that he's being accused of, you also need to own up to that as well. And that's kind of what it sounds like Fisher's just trying to get out of this whole thing is to bring out the people and their misdeeds and hold them accountable for it. It's about honesty and accountability. If these are the facts, let's hold these people accountable. It is what it is. If it's not true, okay, let's have the truth come out and then let's hold these people accountable. And again, I don't want to be the guy who's victim blaming, but if Ray Fisher is providing inaccurate information and non-truths, let's find the information and let's let's hold people accountable for it. My last two cents on this whole story is that I just I feel like both Fisher and WB are getting angry and not really thinking clearly and they're very much being how a lot of our society is today where let's vent our frustrations on social media for everyone to see. Which is, in my opinion, is not the way to go about it. It's never been the way to go. Trust me, teenage girls think it's the way to go, but you're a professional company and professionals. Just be professional. Right? I don't think anything should be posted from either side until, you know, the facts are straight and one side is a winner or one side is a loser. And then owning up to all those facts. Well, it's, that's the thing. And then that's when it comes down to honesty as a whole, you need to look at a picture of a whole. Brian, there's probably a picture in your bank of photos on your phone that shows me just completely blitzed and we're having a good time well, you know whatever and you can take a photo and be like look at this chad coffin terrible father drunk all the time one picture from when i was 22 doesn't really prove the human being that i am as an entire work you know there need all of the evidence needs to come out all of the proof needs to come out to really show what is happening what is going on along with ray fisher sticking up for people being mistreated and especially towards like the black community in hollywood another actor that has been also trying to triumph this fight as well john boyega this week in uh, i think it was variety it was variety or gq it was one of those kinds of magazines came out the important information from that is he came out for the first time since all the press ended with the last star wars movie and he was very vocal about his frustrations towards Disney, the Star Wars franchise, and the movie industry as a whole, towards his characters, and not just the black community, but other non-white communities as well. So in this article, like I said, he goes off and quotes a lot about his time doing the Star Wars movies with Disney, and his experience with those, and his character... I'm just going to read some quotes that I picked out of the article that were kind of like the main things that he said about all these things. The first was about Disney and marketing and casting their colored characters saying, what I would say to Disney is do not bring out a black character, market them to be much more important in the franchise than they are, and then have them pushed to the side. He is referring to himself Naomi Aki, Kelly Marie Tran, and Oscar Isaac in this, according to the article. He continues on to say, You guys knew what to do with Daisy Ridley, who played Ray. You knew what to do with Adam Driver, who played Kylo Ren. 
you knew what to do with these other people but when it came to kelly marie tran and john boyega you know f all they gave all the nuance to adam driver all the nuance to daisy ridley let's be honest daisy knows this adam knows this everybody knows this i'm not exposing anything he then goes on to kind of clarify that he is grateful for the opportunities that this franchise gave him and bringing his voice out as like a movie star to speak his voice on the frustration of the black community in the Hollywood franchise. And he feels frustrated to feel like he has to operate in a permanently rigged system. And that was like the big gist out of that whole article. So... I will not take away from that movement or or his stance as a whole, but the things that I would like to point out, if if the argument is that they knew where to go with Daisy Ridley character and and Adam Adam Driver's character as being Kylo Ren and Rey, my first argument is that they didn't. We saw that through all three movies. All three movies, those characters changed. They were good. They were bad. Not only as far as the storyline goes, they were good. They were bad. Just as a quality standpoint, they were good. They were bad. And things changed. And the same thing that happened with Finn's character and Rose's character. You know, you look at them as a whole. Did they really know where to go with them? Maybe not. Did they leave something on the table? You know, a lot of big arguments right now are making are being made for Rose. Like, oh, you made Rose such an important character, but because she's Asian-American, then you got pigeonholed. She didn't get pigeonholed due to race. The internet exploded damn near the level of Jar Jar Binks for Rose's character. And I was one of those guys as well. I'll be the first and foremost to tell you it has nothing to do with color or where she comes from. I despise Rose's character because she played no point and served no purpose other than to derail the storyline of Finn. And here we are again. This is the community speaks out, online speaks out, the internet speaks out, and they're like, oh my gosh, we got to get rid of her. Boom. Pigeonholed to looking at maps the whole time in the third movie. If we say that, yes, Ryan Johnson and J.J. Abrams and the writers knew exactly where Adam Driver and Daisy Ridley were headed the whole time, that's because they were the main characters. They were Kylo Ren and Rey. At its base, these three movies were about them. They were the main characters. They knew where to go. Finn was at best a supporting character, and and Rose and some of these other characters, even Poe Dameron, were supporting supporting characters. They weren't part of the main storyline. They helped along the way, but that was it. Of course they can change and go and, and, and ebb and flow as the movies go on. I think it's pretty clear if you are a Star Wars fan and if you've watched these movies that, like you said, there really wasn't a straight through plan for all of this. They took George Lucas's concept that he did for the original trilogy, but they only took like bits and pieces of it. Like he knew what he wanted in episodes four, five, and six. Did he direct all of them? No. Did he write all of them? Yes and no. But at the same time, like, there was still that cohesive story. They knew, he knew where he wanted to go, where he wanted to start, the middle, the end. These movies was like, we're going to take that concept of different people doing these movies, and then we're not going to stick with it. And we're going to just be very reactionary, and we're not really going to know where to go with these characters. I see where he's coming from to a point with his character. I do agree that I felt like The Force Awakens was building up his character to be more than it ended up being in the next two movies. 
and I agree that they used his character a lot to market that first movie. I mean, the first trailer, the very first shot of that is him, the stormtrooper in the desert. The very last shot of that movie is him with the lightsaber towards the end of the movie. Like, they were definitely using the, hey, we got a black character to be one of our lead characters in this movie, and we're going to use that as our driving force. But then, because they didn't have that story fully thought through and fully envisioned, his character got pushed aside due to other creators. Ryan Johnson didn't do anything with him in The Last Jedi. He had him go on a wild goose chase just to give him something to do because he was one of those top three new characters in the last movie. And then... Well, what is J.J. supposed to do? Show up for the third movie? They're like, J.J., we're bringing you back to fix this. Can you fix this? He already has to fix the whole movie and the main characters. Unfortunately, he's not going to have the time and the ability to fix every atrocity that happened because i remember too he wanted to stay he wanted to do more than just that first one but due to the fact that the first one was so much work and he wanted to just like cleanse the palate and do something else Mm -hmm. because that whole movie took like two years out of his life like away from his family and all that too i get why he didn't want to do it at first but then to bring him back for that third movie he's like all right well i had these plans for three movies that now i have to change And now I have to cram those into this as well as fix the things I didn't like about the last movie and somehow tie it all together at the end. And unfortunately, Finn wasn't the only character that suffered from that. Like you said, Rose suffered from that. Give or take how the audience felt about her character. She was one. They introduced a lot of characters that just did nothing throughout most of that movie. And honestly i did not like the rise of skywalker at all because of how sloppy and unfocused and just a big mess that it turned out to be in my opinions so i get his side with that but then at the same time like you're using this as like your main fight towards colored people's rights in the movie franchise i feel like how we ended the last story there's a way to do it and there's a way not to do it and i feel like just shouting angrily is not the way to do it there's a way where you can impose yourself and like present a good case and not just be like yeah they treated me poorly they didn't give me anything to do they promised me this and didn't do that that happens with any job well don't throw the baby out with bathwater. you know what i mean like we're not sitting here saying stop advocating for african-american actors or minority actors that's not what we're saying here but because the story wasn't the way you wanted it to go or the characters weren't, you know, used the way that they should have been, that could be said about any character, about any movie, about any race, about any amount of time or any years. You know, we can't just attack a, this base issue based off of how a creative team handled characters and handled a movie. I'm not saying that minorities are treated correctly in the movie industry. I'm not saying minorities are treated correctly in the world in general. This is not the hill we need to die on as far as Hollywood is concerned to get rights preserved, having people be treated correctly. And I understand if you didn't have the best experience or the experience that you thought you would with any kind of movie or franchise. But the fact of the matter is like this made his career like I know I didn't hear of him before this movie, and I don't think really anybody heard of him before this movie. If he wouldn't have been in any of these Star Wars movies, he'd still be unknown. So I feel like you could use that to be like, I appreciate what this franchise did for me, 
and where it got me. And I appreciate the fact that now that I'm at the level where I'm at and I've had my experience through this, I can also advocate and fight alongside the people who are mistreated that I witnessed and experienced myself and keep it at that and just keep fighting that point instead of being like, they didn't give me anything to do. They didn't do my character the way I wanted it to. It makes the whole argument you're trying to make about yourself and not the community that you're trying to fight for. Mm-hmm. We it, can't stick on somber news. We can't stick on the serious stuff the whole way through the podcast. It's because we, we've promised you guys. We promised you guys a way to unplug from the world and unplug from the hard stuff. And while these things need to be talked about, we're not going to beat these topics to death. And I know Brian has some more news topics that he is vastly more uh, informed than I am. And one of them is the way of Amazon and their Sony Marvel TV companionship. We got a bit of Amazon news to get into for the rest of our news. Amazonian news? Not Amazonian. Amazon, the I need shit off the internet. I'm going to order in two days later. Bezos. They're going to bring it to us. It was announced this week that Sony is in talks with Amazon to distribute a high-profile package of Marvel shows, starting with the character Silk, who is a Korean-American hero that was created by Dan Slott and Umberto Ramos in the issues of Amazing Spider-Man. It was like right after the Superior Spider-Man arc. I read like a couple issues with her, but like it got really weird really fast, and didn't really catch me the thing that catches me though about this is that phil lord and chris miller who made spider-man into the spider-verse they are back they are going to be producing this and sony is taking a page from netflix and it sounds like they want with these tv shows that they're making they want to do kind of like what netflix did with the defenders where you have a series for four different characters you have their separate series And you bring them together for one series for a team-up. And none of the other characters have been announced yet. I honestly don't know where they're going to go from here unless they did this run that came out a few years ago that was a Spider-Women run that featured Spider-Woman, Spider-Gwen, and Silk. And if you added one more female spider character in there i guess that could be your your franchise to bring together to for a team up but otherwise i don't know where else they would go with this character she wasn't like this on this team that was called like agent access or something like that that was like a bunch of different raced superheroes that came together to do like international missions together like it was her it was um totally awesome hulk and it was like a bunch of other cultured heroes but otherwise i don't really know where they could go with this it is interesting that they're that they want to do the netflix route like they did with the defenders hopefully they can do it a little bit better than netflix did a little if if they're able to land this deal with amazon amazon also announced this week that they are teaming up with dark horse for their comic side of things so they have a digital comics platform called comiXology they're teaming up with dark horse to take their uh, comiXology original series that are like the award-winning series that they have and they're bringing them to print for the first time 
They're going to be collected in collected editions, probably trade paperbacks, hardcovers, what have you, with Dark Horse. And they're going to be launching these titles in 2021. The uh, series that they have are from the works of Chip Zdarsky, Alex Segura, Kurt Perez, and more. They have four series that they have announced that they're going to team up with Dark Horse to bring to print. The first is an Economy Meets the Afterlife series of Afterlift. There's a fantasy series called Breaklands, a revisionist superhero series called Youth, and a reimagining of the vigilante and noir tropes in The Black Ghost. All four of these series are going to be coming out in 2021 and 2022 for the first time in print. I think it's interesting that so much of the comic industry right now is I feel like is focusing on we need to go digital, digital, digital. And now a digital company is like, uh, no, we need to keep print also in the conversation because print sells a lot and we can make money with both. Well, episode seven, floppier hard, the end of the long box era. I'm pretty proud of my title. <laughs> you know, in an ever increasing digital world where does paper have its place but the thing i have to say is you know you look at comicsology there's four creators that are having their comics printed for the first time can you imagine the feeling of seeing the comic book that you created being printed for the first time exactly it's different compared to looking at it on a screen and being like it exists to I am physically holding it in my hands and I'm paging through it and I'm seeing my work like right in front of me in real life as opposed to through a screen. Well, it's just that creator aspect. Like, again, you you take that stuff and it's like, oh, we worked on it. It's there. It's here. It's that. The fact that I know some kid will have my book in their hands and they'll be reading it just takes it above and beyond. Absolutely. And... I know personally, because I've been starting to collect more of these big collected books, these hardcover books, there's a huge community for it. And the prices on these books aren't cheap. So there's lots of money to be made from these companies by keeping print a thing. And our last story for the week, the infamous zombie series, The Walking Dead, has been announced today, on Wednesday of this week, that... It is finally coming to an end with season 11. Question mark? And I say question mark because I'll get into the details here. Season 11 is going to be a supersized season of 24 40-minute episodes to kick off this farewell. It's the end of the regular series, but it's the beginning of all of the Walking Dead spinoff series. So if you thought that Fear the Walking Dead was enough of a spinoff that you wanted from this world. Heads up, you're going to get a lot more. They've announced two so far that are coming out with a lot more that are in the works. The first one that they've announced is from popular characters Daryl Dixon and Carol Pileter. They're doing a spinoff of those two characters. So, spoiler alert, if you're doing a spinoff of these two characters, they're going to make it through the end of the actual walking dead series they also announced that they're going to be doing an anthology series that's titled tales from the walking dead 
which is going to follow different characters in each episode, and it's going to explore different undiscovered pockets of the Walking Dead universe. And I feel like there's more potential with this than the Daryl Dixon Carroll spinoff. I get that they're popular characters, but I don't know how much of the audience they're going to carry over from the main series into that. But for me personally, if you were going to have a character that explores some of the things that are talked about as like backstories in the show, but now we're going to actually explore them, you know, we're going to, instead of the characters talking about how they got here, we're going to see where they were when the pandemic started to the journey to where they get with Rick Grimes and the main community that we're focused on with this show. And just focusing on other characters or other things you know that you might hear whispers of in episodes or mentions in episodes there's people like that tribe of women like you could have a whole episode on them like the possibilities are endless with an anthology series rather than just focusing on two people and they're also still going forward with the the rick grimes movies as well so walking dead is quote unquote coming to an end but it's very much here to stay it is a bummer, you know, to see this series come to an end. From where it came from, from the comics to the way it took over the world. When, you know, it took over the world like a zombie apocalypse. When this show came out, it was the number one show. Arguably, this show, being as awesome as it was, is what made the show Comic Book Men even survive for as many seasons as they did. Comic Book Men, Kevin Smith, James, Silent Bob, uh, Secret Stash, uh, Ming Chen, Mike Zapsik, uh, Walter Flanagan, Brian Johnson. Uh, uh. <laughs> this show took the world by storm, and whether you read the comics before or after or got into the show and binge-watched it or didn't get in until season four or five and you sat in your house secluded and locked down on your days off from work and watched it, you loved this show. It It was great from top to bottom, and even for some characters and some things you didn't like about it, it was an amazing show. I argue that it's going to be held up there with, like, the Sopranos of our, I don't want to say generations, but of this decade. Like, you know, a show that people go back and it's like, I can watch this again and again and again and never fall sick of it. I think, too, with mentioning or announcing a finale of a show especially in our culture today, it's going to get more people to either come back to it who have dropped off of it or to finally dive in because we are very much in a binge culture and it's kind of become the norm of, oh, that's still going. I don't want to watch it until it's done where I can Mm -hmm. watch the whole thing. I know for me personally, I did drop off of the show after season eight just with choices that were made, I think if the show would have kept going, I probably wouldn't have wanted to explore it until its eventual end, depending on how long that would be. But since it's so close to where I kind of cut off, now I kind of am like, well, let's go back and finish what we started, see where it goes. Mm -hmm. And now since I have the books, it also kind of makes me want to jump into those as well, because as you can attest to, since you've read them and I have not yet, from the things you've told me about it, it's very different from the show. As a comic book guy, like it obviously, if the let's say the TV show has that uh, TV seventeen rating, the books definitely have that R or, or unrated, you know, rating to them because they are a lot more graphic. But I feel that the show now, having you know taken it in as a whole, 
it lost me for a while around season three or four with some of the governor stuff because it didn't go exactly how it went in the comics and I wasn't a huge fan. But I think it has stayed true enough to the source material that true like true classic fans of the comics can enjoy it. And also, even if you take out some of that root material and you take that completely away and people who are just ingesting it as a TV show, it's just good TV. You know, it's so good. And even if, like you said, oh, I kind of had a falling out and I didn't really like it, I can tell you when you come back to it, you're going to find things to love about the show that you didn't think would be there after you left. Like we said, the regular season series of The Walking Dead is coming to a close. But there's still more to come with all of the spinoffs, so you're still going to get your Walking Dead content if you are on the show yet. That wraps up the news, and now we're going to go into our main topic, which is stemming off of our second story that we talked about today. Kind of relating to that Sony reaching out to Amazon to make their comic book properties into TV shows. We are going to sit down and discuss what comic book franchises we would like to see made into TV series that haven't been done yet. Well, and it ties into our last news topic as well, because, I mean, if I would have read The Walking Dead end to end, as I have, and there wouldn't be TV of it, I'd be sitting here having this conversation in this main topic that... Where is my Walking Dead TV show? So That's fair enough. Yeah, so whether it's uh, Spider-Man, I mean, there's been so many things where from comic books, whether it's Spider-Man or The Walking Dead or Batman that have seen amazing animated shows or live action or whatever it may be, but there are shows out there, or rather comics out there, that exist that do not have shows yet or do not have movies yet. Um, one of the ones that I'd hate for this to be like a cop-out, but... Because we had Luke Cage and Iron Fist and the Defenders. I would love to see the actors from Luke Cage and the actor from Iron Fist come back to do a Heroes for Hire. I want to see the true Danny Rand and Luke Cage. I want to see the Power Man and Iron Fist really come together as a collective. Because we saw it in a couple episodes of the second season of uh, Luke Cage and a little bit in Defenders. But I would love to see... A true embodiment of what was my favorite. One of, I don't want to say my favorite. I hate saying anything is my favorite all-time run of anything. Because then it's like, but didn't you love this? So, my one of my favorites of all times runs Power Man and Iron Fist. Heroes for Hire. Classic, classic Silver Age comics. I can't get away from the give and take and the shucking and the jive and from Danny Rand and Luke Cage. It's just so phenomenal. I would love to have seen that, even a modern adaptation. If I, I love the flashbacks that they did in Luke Cage. Sweet Christmas, when he breaks out of the prison with the chains and the afro yep, yep. and the headband. Like Even if it's broken, like, science equipment, but they were like, oh my god, he's in, like, the original gear. Even if they could do some homages, like some throwbacks to the old stuff, and do it in a modern way. I loved Luke Cage, and I loved, while I hated the Iron Fist show... I loved Danny Rand's character. I, I'm blanking on the actor right now. I loved his character, and I think that would be the correct guy and the correct character to go with. Because Danny Rand is a curlier, wavy-haired, blonde, white guy. It is. He's not Chinese. He's not, you know, Asian in culture. That's the whole storyline of 
the Kunlun and Shaolau and stuff because it's like, he's an outsider. He doesn't belong here. So that actor was the correct choice. And Michael Coulter or Collier, or, I'm sorry, you know, his name is one of those weird French mm-hmm. names, did a phenomenal job with Luke Cage. And I would love to have him back. So to see a Heroes for Hire run with those two guys, full on buddy cop friendship, beating asses and taking names, I'd be all in for it. You're gonna probably gonna give me a look when I say this too, but if they would ever bring a Heroes for Hire show to the small screen, whatever studio does it, Sony, Marvel, whatever, if they decided that, hey, we've told our story for Danny Rand with Luke Cage, we've told everything that we wanted to tell with them and we want to move on, they could still continue with the Heroes for Hire show in different ways because we've seen other characters brought into that mixed as well misty knight and um the other girl in iron fist oh yeah we're gonna sit here and stammer for a minute danny rand's girlfriend in iron fist who had a bigger role in season two and i remember like black cat and a couple other like female characters also had a heroes for hire run after a while and then the one heroes for hire run that i read that i really liked was led by misty knight and a character colleen wing colleen wing right so her misty knight black cat and a couple other female characters they were their own heroes for hire team well the best part too is because misty knight and colleen wing both date danny but then later date each other interesting the heroes for hire run that i read that i really enjoyed was led by misty knight and also had a character named Paladin that was kind of like a, a mercenary Punisher type character. But the fun thing about that series was each issue had some different hero that was hired by Misty Knight or Paladin to go on whatever mission that they were hired to do. So we had issues with Falcon. We had issues with Spider-Man. You could bring in these A-list marvel mcu characters to do like a 45 minute episode or two-parter or what have you you could bring in those those heavy hitter characters into your smaller show to bring that audience to it as well yeah if you haven't read that run i highly recommend it i had a really good time with that series the misty knight and uh colleen wing heroes for hire ties in really really well to um the immortal iron fist run that brubaker and fraction did it runs like hand in hand and ties together moral of this story is there's lots of potential in different directions they could go with the heroes for hire brand when i was going through the series that i would be interested in seeing and making my list with how busy i've been lately i was more focused on marvel and spider-man titles and one of the series that i would really love to see be made into a tv series that i could see sony doing is the superior foes of spider-man this focuses on a sinister six that consists of d-level supervillains, so a lot of unknowns a lot of smaller times villains But I feel like this concept would work very well with a TV series just because it's characters that an audience doesn't need to know anything about going into this. They can learn about these characters as they go. And it makes for a perfect action comedy, which is what this series was. 
This comic series was written by uh, Nick Spencer and the art by Steve Lieber. This was a fantastic series. The Sinister Six in this series consisted of five characters, but they, like, that tells you the tier of villains that they were. And it was very much a comedy heist that focused on these group of characters trying to do this one big score while also backstabbing each other to get the main prize at the end. Also had a cameo appearance from, as mentioned before, Luke Cage and Iron Fist. They do show up eventually. They kind of crash the party unexpectedly, even to them. We talk so heavily. I don't want to say we. I talk so heavily of a lot of obscure, like, when people are like, directors are like, Martin Scorsese and Guillermo del Toro. And I'm like, Gavin Smith for life! And then it's like, Spider-Man, Batman, Superman. And I'm like... Luke Cage and Iron Fist for life! Like, I don't ever want to brand myself as a hipster because I'm absolutely not, but I love a lot more off-the-beaten-path things when it comes to this. I gravitate more towards the more grounded stories and characters, which is why, like, Hawkeye and Bucky and, like... Green Arrow and Luke Cage and Iron Fist and and Punisher and Daredevil. Like, more of those characters that are very street-level. Like, I'm just a regular dude with some way, shape, or form of some kind of heightened ability. Like, if we could take our time to get in shape, we could maybe be the heroes we want to be. But we'll never do it, and that's why we talk into a microphone once a week. <laughs> but yeah, so stories like that, again, I feel like Superior Foes of Spider-Man would definitely uh, benefit from a Sony Marvel-type TV show. I have one other one, and it can be short and sweet and to the point, but I would love either a before or after, and this is, again, it's going to flash back to our Home Sweet Home episode that you're going to be like, how did he pick this? I want a before or after the Lord of the Rings Shire TV show. <laughs> I want to know the life before. I'm sorry. If we can have a like a world-renowned watch show about a fucking paper company or a or a, a parks and recreation department, you're telling me people aren't going to sit down and watch a show about the Shire? Come on. G- come on i didn't think of the home sweet home episode i thought of the episode where we talked about the Gollum video game where it was like <laughs> that's the last who thing that needs this who wants this exactly Borat, napoleon dynamite <laughs> Gollum video game that's what i was thinking of with with the shire pitch not not comic related but i appreciate the effort i'll throw in my last pick Again, it's a Marvel property, but it's kind of Marvel's version of the Suicide Squad in a way, where it's the Thunderbolts. And what the Thunderbolts is, is a group of supervillains that are banded together. They're taken out of prison, just like the Suicide Squad, by the government to go on these dangerous missions that nobody else wants to go on. But the twist of it is, they're not getting threatened to like be killed. These teams are usually led by a superhero, and they're trying to reform these villains almost. Turn the villain into the good guy. Hawkeye's led this team once or twice. Winter Soldier's led this team a couple times. Two of my favorites again. Not the main reason why I brought this up. It's, I mean, those are big factors of it where you could take a big MCU character to lead this team and to bring an audience to the show. But again, it's just like with the um, Superior Foes of Spider-Man show. 
it's characters that you don't really need to know anything about going into it. I mean, it's it's characters that the show can develop how they want to. They can bring on the audience that knows about them, but they can also bring on the audience that knows nothing about them and take that stress off their shoulders of, I need to know who this character is before jumping into it. So those are our picks for comic book franchises that we would like to see made into shows that haven't been made into shows yet. I realize I went off the beaten path, but I just took the comic out of book and said book. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry I I, I, I uh, torpedoed your topic there, my friend. That's alright. I appreci- Like I said, I appreciate the effort. <laughs> that is the end of the main topic. And you know what that means? It's time for... Ch-ch-ch-ch-chadillac The first part is some somber news from Somber Town in the heart of Somberland. The Bucks were knocked out by the Miami Heat 4 to 1 in the second round of the playoffs. The Bucks went down 3 0, and that was pretty much the end of it for me. Giannis left game four at the half and didn't play game five at, five at all. He had an ankle sprain. We'll wait and see exactly what happened to him. Part of me is really happy he didn't play game five because for a guy who's going into his last year with a contract, like, oh, that's the team that made me play on a busted ankle and I blew it out and really hurt myself. See some Kevin Durant style stuff there. We really asked, what does the future look like? You got players like Chris Middleton, Eric Bledsoe, Brooke Lopez, Kyle Korver, some pieces around Giannis. Giannis has made it known when even asked about the fact that he would request a trade from the Bucks. He's like, some people see a wall and run in the other direction. I see a wall and run through it. He's made it perfectly clear that he plans to stay. Uh, you know, I love words as much as the next guy, but until I see his name on the dotted line, we'll just have to wait and see. I think the big thing is if we do get his name on the dotted line for that max contract, we have to bring some talent in. Whether it's a Bradley Beal, whether it's a Chris Paul, whether it's a, if it's a Booker, if it's there's a different a lot of different players out there that they could really make the difference for the Bucks that I think could put us over the edge. We can't just we we just can't go into the next year with the same team and think that we can do it. We can make a difference this year. Us as Wisconsin sports fans are kind of used to having an All Star player and a not so All Star team, and I know that there's other teams and sports fans that can relate to that as well but the fact is that yeah if you can have a really good player and have a really not so good team or an average team and not go anywhere and it's it almost it's almost frustrating to just watch that in itself because it's like you're appreciating the fact that you have that talented player on your team but then you're also realizing that what a waste, you know. Well, your classic of all time players. I mean, Barry Sanders with Detroit, Dan Reno with the with the Dolphins, like teams that were great but never the team. You know, had these talented players. Calvin Johnson decides to retire early from the Detroit Lions because he's an amazing player, but we'll never see anything. Larry Fitzgerald is one of the greatest wide receivers of all time, but sat down in Arizona for years and will have a historic career and go to the Hall of Fame, have never won a suit. You know, there's so many things you can see with these players that just never pan out. And I don't want that to be Giannis's case. He's a guy who could change the basketball world. But if you don't get somebody here, it's never going to happen. And we talked last week, too, about how it was going to be a tough road for the Bucks to continue on in the playoffs, even from last week. So now it's the important thing and kind of how we ended the whole Bucks talk here is 
focus on the future and what's next. So Miami moves on. Also in the East, Boston-Toronto played tonight. Toronto fought off Boston to go into second overtime, winning 125-122, to 122, which pushes it to a 3-3 with a Game 7 upcoming. You've got the Clippers leading the Nuggets 2-1, to one, and they are playing tonight. Brian, uh, in the second quarter, the Clippers are up 31-14 to 14 over Denver. Uh, Denver. 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 Um, excuse me for that, folks. Oh, doubling their score in the second, but that's a lot of game left. Lakers play tomorrow against the Rockets. The Lakers are up 2-1. Uh, the only other thing I wanted to point out was the uh, NBA, with all the COVID things, a lot of things have been moved around, seasons have been shaken up. The draft date that the NBA is eyeing is November 18th. It's being moved around. Again, who knows exactly where things are going to land with college sports and things like that. It's all a mess right now. And, and again, they're eyeing November 18th, which means that hopefully the season will start at a regularly decent time but we never really know. Uh, shooting into the NFL, the season starts tomorrow. Whoop, whoop. Or if you're listening to this, the season started yesterday. Whoop, whoop. That is the one thing about not doing a daily podcast, because we would never do a daily podcast. Things change and ebb and flow. The reigning Super Bowl champs, Kansas City Chiefs, face the Houston Texans tomorrow, or yesterday, if you will. Thursday. Thursday, that's what we should say. We would produce we produce on Wednesdays and then edit on Thursdays and put out on Fridays at noon, so things will change. The big news is is Patrick Mahomes, uh, who was the MVP uh, the year prior, and now Lamar Jackson was the MVP, but a still extremely talented Chiefs team now bringing in a rookie running back who could really uh, change the face of that team for the future. Patrick Mahomes is the face now. Again, a Texan team that has some talent, has a lot of pieces that have moved around now with a David Johnson uh, that has come over from Carolina, not Carolina, the Cardinals of Arizona, uh, when they moved DeAndre Hopkins there. So a lot of different moving pieces in those two teams, so we'll see. It's just really exciting to see football come back. And last but not least from the NFL, OBJ likes more than just football in Cleveland. What's one of the most famed things from Cleveland? The Cleveland Cavaliers, the Cleveland Browns, and the Cleveland Steamers. The news coming out of the NFL this week is that OBJ likes being pooped on. This is is Odell Beckham Jr., one of the perennial wide receivers in the NFL, and the news coming out is that he likes to be pooped on. No word from Odell Beckham Jr. yet, but word spiraling through the sports community. Deion Sanders, Hall of Fame defensive back, calling it hashtag Dookie Gate. (laughs) You think we're making this up? You think this is a joke? Part of me thinks it's like, oh man, Odell, let it go. It is what it is and move on. Part of me, the other half of me is like, Odell's kind of a weird dude. This might be the truth. So my question is, picture you're this big famous very talented football star and there is poop on me <laughs> there's a dookie gate with your name on it how do you feel about it i mean wh- what do you do do you come out and speak out against it and say there's no way this is true and then everyone's like it's definitely true he's way too defensive or do you let it go and then everyone's like huh he's not saying anything maybe it is true i would if i was him it's... i would i would probably hop on instagram and i would put the the shrugging emoji and just leave it at just that. Leave it, just I would up. don't know what to say about it, but it's happening. So, okay. I was looking through my uh, 
through my league and I'm looking at all the different pieces in the, in the league and, and, and uh, the different guys. And they're like, guys, stop shitting on Odell. He's a good guy. I always thought of him as a number two wide receiver. Come on, guys. He's always been part of some really good movements. <laughs> so the league and, and fantasy leagues alike are having a lot of fun with this, to say the least. After that, exciting piece of stool. I mean, news. <laughs> we'll head into some fantasy football. A new, not a segment, but a new piece to the Chatter Life Chat Down. We're talking booms, busts, and sleepers. That's right, fantasy football. We're going to get into some of our experts that we have around the table. The first one being the Golden Knight. As you guys know, the foremost expert on sports in the world of the Midwestern nerds. The boom for him is Aaron Jones of the Packers, the running back. They got the Vikings this week, and he feasted, shredded the Vikings' very formidable front seven last year. And now they're looking to do the exact same thing, and the Vikings' front seven is not nearly as talented as they were last year, so look for him as a boom. Bust Julian Edelman of the Patriots. Who are the Patriots without Tom Brady? Are they going to run all the time? Are they going to try to pass? Are they going to be successful in the pass? That is the Golden Knights bust. And sleeper is Jonathan Taylor with the Colts. Rookie from the Badgers, Jonathan Taylor. Uh, the reason that he is the sleeper for the Golden Knight, that the Colts have a sneaky good offensive line. Now let's head over to, I sat down today with ESPN's very own Matthew Barry. Whoa! Third cousin. Oh, <laughs> Here, I thought you actually had some talent on our podcast. <laughs> no, 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 no. We're, we're not that big yet. I mean, we we got shirts. But boom, this week is James Conner of the Steelers. Giants soft run D. The bust is A.J. Green with the Bengals. He's coming back after an injury-riddled handful of years. Chargers have a stud corner. They're going to match up with him. And then sleeper is Rasheem Moore. Mossert, not Morissette. Linus Morrison. Yep. Uh, Mossert of the 49ers. Surprised last year. Huge in the, uh, the end of the regular season and then the postseason. Um, he's poised to keep this train rolling. That is your fantasy football booms, busts, and sleepers in your Chattelike Checkdown for the week. Which brings us to our last segment of the show. The best staff recommendations of the week. I'm going to keep it a little bit Midwestern here, and I'm going to keep it a little bit local. The first recommendation that I want to talk about is actually kind of a a joint two-part recommendation. If you were able to catch our pilot episode, it happened on a different podcast, and it happened on our good friend Kyle's podcast, and that would be the first round KO. So if you like the Chattelac Checkdown, if you like all the sports content that we bring to you on this podcast, go and check out their podcast because it's all about the sports all the time, except for when we happen to stumble upon their sets and take over with all the nerdy goodness. Our good friend Kyle also just recently launched another podcast called One More Last One, where they talk about one more of literally anything that you could think of. It's it's definitely a podcast that will keep you on your toes. You're not going to see what's coming. You're not going to know what's coming next. But it just might be enough to keep you on for the ride. And my last best staff recommendation for the week is 
a local business. If you are in the Fox Valley area or around that area, close enough to drive to that area. I'm in the Fox Valley area. Then you should check out House of Heroes Comics and Games. That is the Midwesterners go-to comic book store. That is the store that we go to for all of our nerdy goodness, all of our comic content, most of what we bring to this show. They, this week, are celebrating their 25th anniversary. So they've been open and in business and providing to the nerdy culture public for the last 25 years. I grew up in a small town where I didn't have access to a comic book store. So a lot of my comic book knowledge and passion really came when I moved to Oshkosh, went to college there, and then lo and behold, there was this comic book store. But I'm grateful for the opportunities that that store has given me. I've had the chance to help them out with their numerous free comic book day events that happen yearly, as well as their after Christmas sales, and just the community and the friends and the people that i've met there i wouldn't trade it for anything in the world and that is all the good stuff that you can get and more if you are in the oshkosh area and you happen to go downtown on main street to house of heroes comics and games and that is your best stuff recommendations of the week and that is going to be about it for this episode but before we close out We just want to bring to all of your attention, next week is going to be a special episode that's going to be the kickoff and the start to a special series that we have in store for you. We want to keep it a little bit secret for now, but things in both of our lives are about to get a little bit more chaotic. Things in my life right now are really chaotic with uh, my girlfriend and I now moving into our house, doing all the renovations and all the updates and all the fixings that we need to do. And Chad also has some big stuff coming up in his life. If he wants to talk about it, if he doesn't, that's fine. Moral of this story is both of us are going to be at a point where we can't do our weekly recorded episodes. So we prepared ahead and we have a special segment coming out next week. I think these episodes, these pods, these files that we have tucked away for you guys, you're going to love. I have been so excited. I've been in so much anticipation to release one of these episodes. I almost wanted to like accidentally have to miss a recording session just to put one of these out. We can't do that. We need to save these for their intended purposes to save us. The feces is about to hit the rotating oscillator for Brian and I. It's going to be a wild next couple of weeks and months. And these podcasts are going to be there to save us, but provide you guys with that same Midwestern nerds love and that same Midwestern nerds content that you would usually expect week to week. And we're going to keep giving it to you. We're going to try to bring you weekly content as much as we can, but when we can't, we will have this series that we have planned for you in store starting next week. A series, you say? A series. But who knows? You can get the first two parts, and then you won't see the third part until January. <laughs> so again, the name is Midwesterners. You can find us at Twitter, at Instagram at gmail.com also midwesternerds.com that's m-i-d-w-e-s-t-e-r-n-e-r-d 
S. Also on Facebook, the Midwestern Nerds Podcast. We are streaming on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, Anchor, and Google Podcasts. Please rate and review us. And for your Midwestern nerds, I am Chad Coffin. And I'm Brian Stoffel. And whether it's beer, brats, comics, or pops, keep, keep it nerdy. nerdy.